Welcome, everybody, to Lore and Poor. I'm your host, Adam DeWeese, and I am joined by our very special guest, Cage the it I it's very hard to really pin down Cage. Cage is a Twitch affiliate, a variety streamer, DMs Go best-selling author, tabletop role-playing community builder, and cross-stitcher. Uh, Cage, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. Hello, hello. A uh, long-time listener, uh, first-time guest. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for this because, as you all obviously know at home, Cage is the number one absolute authority on liches, knows everything about liches. Uh, just it, if you've got a lich question, Cage is the first person you're going to go to. Uh, you're probably going to get ignored because Cage's DMs are just absolutely flooded. Oh, they're with bonkers. Lich I just yeah. <laughs> Every single time I open up my phone, it's just like questions about liches. Oh, what did, what did liches eat? Yeah, it's just it's nonstop. So um, luckily for you all at home listening, you can now get a solid thirty ish plus minutes of cage just spewing straight lich knowledge uh but first obviously cage uh long time listener you know that we had to start every night off talking about uh what are we drinking tonight yeah so i am enjoying the exquisite the delicious boulevard brewing company tank seven and i guess what everybody i have not yet changed it up I am still drinking uh, Kettle One Vodka with a Diet Mountain Dew, as always. Uh, it's very... One of these times, I'm going to change it up, though, and everybody's going to get so fucking confused. We're going to have to, like, ask if you're okay. I ha- I have started drinking um, Trulies, like the uh, uh, alcoholic seltzer waters, but I found out that I, I got to drink, like, six goddamn things in like an hour and a half to feel anything of those and it just seems like it's so much effort it's so much effort to do that so i just i've i don't i don't do that too often so i've been sticking my kettle one and die mountain dew okay but what if you change the mountain dew flavor like code red live wire is that a still thing are either of those still thing what if you did what if you did baja blast I have had Baja Blast exactly one time in my life, and I thought it was absolutely terrible. I hated it. It's still my heart. I did not enjoy it at all. Now, I do not remember if I drank it from Taco Bell or when they they bottled it for a while, right? I don't think they still do. They did for a little bit. They were like, oh, now you can have like the Taco See, Bell, Baja Blast. If you went to Taco Bell, you could even get the icy ones, like the frozen Baja Blast. And you could have like, it'd be like a Baja Blast margarita, but with Kettle One in it. Yeah, it could be It could be decent if I try to mask it with a shitty flavor. Listen, if you, put kettle, if you put enough Kettle One in it, it doesn't matter what it tastes like after a while. Um, before we get into the actual topic of liches, I do want to say anybody who knows me knows I absolutely cannot take shots or anything like that. I am kind of a baby when it comes to like alcohol tastes and things like that while i was upstairs before recording while i was uh playing drunk pokemon snap and prepping by pre-gaming for this I hear episode, his butterfree pictures are to find 
They are absolutely terrible while I'm drinking. And um, I absolutely thought I had mixed my drink and took a big old gulp. I had not yet poured the Mountain Dew in and took the biggest shot I've taken in probably five years and almost died. I was on the floor. I powered through because that's what professionals do. And now I'm just ready to talk about liches and uh, I'm well and toasty. It sounds like I'm you almost became good. a lich. <laughs> I almost, I, I think that might be the secret of becoming a lich is taking a shot of vodka when you're expecting a mixed drink. Speaking of liches, before we get into the Q&A section of this cage, would you mind kind of just uh, walking our audience through just from a high level what even is a lich? Maybe some history on liches, maybe even like some like notable liches out there. Uh, like the big ones and just uh, kick us off on this segment, please. Yeah. So um, the basic idea of a lich is um, they're a creature who once were uh, usually humanoids, but also could be other creatures. Uh, like you can have Draco liches and, and things like that. Mind flayers can also become liches, but usually they are some sort of spellcaster, sorcerers, wizards, things like that. Uh, usually have to be intelligent beings because it's a difficult process to become a lich. Um, and uh, essentially what this this creature needs to do is uh, create what we call like a soul jar or something in order to put their life essence into. It's an expensive process. It's a process that takes um, somebody with a lot of intelligence. There's um, sometimes different spellcasting components or um, different types of like potion type things that come into play with this. It's a very precise science. Um, this isn't like a, let's just throw some things together and see if it works because that, that, um, that will kill you. Um, <laughs> this, this isn't the process of Adam creating a dirty dew, just throwing some stuff together into a glass and hoping it works. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so basically the way that they become a lich is they go through this, this expensive process. They create this, this soul jar, this uh, life essence container. And if, as long as they keep this item intact, they basically can exist, uh, forever. Um, and so oftentimes they are, uh, many of them are evil creatures, but there can also be, um, good liches as well. But yeah, in essence, it's basically a, a, a creature that doesn't want to um, uh, to end their existence, um, and so they go through a process in order to live uh, for through eternity if they can. So, right off the bat, we've kind of uh, you kind of touch on a couple times uh, this process that liches go through to become a lich, right? You as the leading expert, do you know that process? Like, what do they have to do to become that lich? Yeah, so this is this is like the, the best kept secret, right? So, like, if it were yeah, easy, nobody knows. everybody would be doing it. You know what I'm saying? I, I would do it, yeah. So, I, I don't know the full details. Um, however, I know that there's usually um, this... this uh, the process of preserving the life essence, right? So that's a component of it. Um, usually it also comes with part of um, drinking some sort of like potion type thing that is concocted of various different um, ingredients. Usually pretty hard to find ones. Um, also usually ones that like sacrifices need to be made in order to, yeah. to obtain them. Um, and then there's also usually a, like a spell or like an incantation. Uh, uh, in order for the uh, soul jar, the soul 
um, uh, to the life essence to be uh, contained within within that item. So when somebody is, say somebody is, you know, getting older and they're like a smart wizard and they want to become a lich, but they don't know how, how does, how or where does somebody or who does somebody go to, to find and seek out that process of exactly what they need to do to become the lich? Yeah, so there are some old texts that contain that information. They're very difficult to find. Um, If you're able to find another lich who's willing to give up the secret, generally not the case, but you could get lucky, and it has happened. Um, And uh, I I think that sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's multiple things that have to happen, right? So, like, not a single source will necessarily know the response to that. Um, however, if if a person were to, um, if a creature were to seek out like an old text, and then maybe they find um, some like bardic song that talks about a, a piece of it, um, there like there's pieces of this process that are ingrained into different types of um, storytelling techniques over time. And if somebody were able to research that long enough, so generally this process doesn't start when somebody's already think that they're about to kick the bucket. This is a process yeah. that takes some time, um, and a lot of diligence. And, um, it's, it's something that people, uh, or the creatures will, um, they, it's, it's premeditated, right? Like it's, it takes quite some time in order for this to happen and it takes a lot of research. Yeah, you gotta be proactive about it. You can't be like a human and 99 years old and be like, you know what's a good idea? I should be a lich. Yeah, you probably gotta start that in like your 20s or 30s and start mm-hmm. that research yeah. and get things kicked off early. I'm just thinking of it in my head. Why would somebody wanna be, in a, be a lich? Like, what are the pros and cons to it? Because to me, all the pictures I've seen, liches look kind of gross. Yeah, so for for those of you that um, that are listening at home, if you want to imagine what a lich looks like, right? So, you all know like those um, those like vacuum seal bags for traveling. Yes. So it's like basically you just attach one of those vacuums onto like <laughs> your the body, and it just and you just suck all that air out, <laughs> and that's basically what a lich looks like. Just, it really just, is. Yeah, it really is. So it's just basically like a skeletal form with like no like real features. It's it's just that skeletal form. So why would you want to do that? Uh, well, if you have business that you need to complete, um, sometimes uh, if a creature is maybe at odds with somebody or at war and they want to outlast them. Um, they may become a lich in order to outlast them. So here's the secret. is actually very many, quite a few liches are actually hecking cowards. They would rather become a lich and just outlast their opponent than fight them head to head. How old do these bad boys live to? I mean, they can live into eternity. So liches can't die from like old age or... Oh. Um, or uh, like different spells and things that have anything to do with like uh, a living person so they can't be like put to sleep or cursed into like some sort of death sentence of some sort 
Basically, the main way to get rid of a lich is to uh, somehow destroy the vessel that holds their life essence. So if you can do that, it will then remove that um, their ability to live eternally. And then once they're killed at that point, they're, they're immortal at that point. So then they can be killed. So now I'm starting to see the, uh, uh, the appeal to being a lich as you get to live forever, however long you want, and also get some pretty sick powers. So it's sounding like the soul jar thing. I mean, it, it sounds like a horcrux. What came first, the horcrux or the uh, the soul jar? I think that they're, um, they're sort of like two limbs from the same tree. So the difference between the soul jar and the horcrux is that the soul jar is something that like you pretty much can only do like one time. It's very yeah. difficult to do that process a second time. Whereas when mm-hmm. we're thinking about horcruxes, there were several for for an individual that many of us may be thinking of. Um, <laughs> and so it's not as difficult to separate that into multiple different things. But that also makes it more difficult, I think, to be able to protect all of those many different things. And so if you were to remove one of several horcruxes, you know, your power is diminished by by that much. Whereas, like, if you're only focusing on protecting one item, then you're probably more likely to live in stronger for longer, right? Because you can only really protect so many items at one time. So if, if you had, say, for instance, 10 horcruxes, you're probably not going to be able to to, to protect all of those. So if somebody were to take out five of them, you're only half as strong. Whereas if you only have one soul jar to protect, then, I mean, it's probably an easier task. So you... I'm speaking to you, Cage, as if you are a lich. Uh, so a <laughs> lich would... How do you know I'm not? You may have learned this, the arcane secrets and, uh, and cracked her code. Uh... But either way, Cage, if you are or if you're not, uh, legally, you have to tell me. Um, <laughs> if if you were a lich, Cage, and you were to be creating your own like lair slash dungeon, what do you think the, would be the best option? Would it be to make one like mega lair that you're also in to protect your physical body? and also has your soul drawer? Or would it be to create two layers that are like, you know, 50-50 decent layers, one to protect you and one to protect your uh, your soul drawer? What would be your technique? So I would pick a third technique. In which oh, I yeah, have even more than two. I mean, if you ever played okay. like Mario, like... There's a lot of castles Mario goes through before he finds Peach. Oh right? yeah, this, you're, this is not you're, this is not the castle you're looking for. <laughs> so I mean, you have to keep them guessing, right? So and oh, okay. and that also gives you maybe the option to like move the item around. So people are like, oh, we've already been in this lair. Like clearly the soul jar isn't here. Well, jokes on you. I moved it last week. <laughs> you just you just cycle it through. Yeah. I think, and I think the best, the best case scenario would be like somebody like completely clears out your, your, uh, your dungeon, kills all of your undead servants or whatever you've got working with you, get to the end, they find like 
you put like a hundred gold in a pouch as like a like kind of a foe, like, oh, you're this right. is a treasure Okay, now it. imagine another adventuring party shows up at the entrance of this lair, and they see all these dead skeletons, all yeah. the chests are empty, they're not going to go to the end of that. Exactly! You go back and you put the your thing in the uh, in the, in the the chest that had the gold. And maybe reanimate like a couple it. skeletons to make it interesting. Yeah, I really like that. That's a good idea. I do now. I'm starting to think that maybe, perhaps, you are actually a lich, and this is your whole, uh, this is your whole jam. Uh, we we have talked about soul jars uh, quite a bit in this first uh, uh, 15 minutes or so. What what is a soul jar? Yeah, so basically, it can be any type of component that holds that life essence. I actually have heard of, um, there was one lich who had, um, actually, one of their grandparents used to make fruitcakes. People don't really, I mean, people wouldn't really eat the fruitcake, right? Nobody. So they made, like, a lich extract, basically. And they baked it into one of their their grandma's fruitcakes. And nobody would touch it. They lived for a very long time. Oh, that's genius. Isn't that great? Who would have thought? Cage, if you had one shot and one shot only and you had one soul jar and you had to pick one item to transfer your soul into and if anybody finds it and anybody destroys it for whatever reason you you die you you're not immortal but if nobody finds it you become immortal what would you choose for your item to put your soul jar into adam i see what you're doing and I cannot reveal to you the secret of what my soul jar is. What's your second? What's the <laughs> second thing you would do? Not the real thing that you chose, but what would be your backup plan that you did not choose? Let's see here. Um, you know, I would probably have to pick something that nobody likes, right? So I'd probably put it at the bottom of a bottle of Kettle One. Hey, <laughs> I like Kettle One. I would find it. I would find it. I'd be like, why is there a nail in my kettle one? Uh, because my thinking was, I was thinking like I'd I'd, pick, I'd put like like a random nail or a screw, put my soul into the the screw or, or the nail, and then just like chuck it in the woods. <laughs> like nobody's got, you know what I mean? Yeah, a needle in a haystack, kind of. Like a random rock, and then just throw it like. They're into the bottom of the ocean. What's gonna happen? Although over time, I'm sure that the water would probably erode the rock, but you'd be living. Yeah, you probably would have lived a pretty, pretty decent life by the time that screw rusted or that stone ebbed away. Yeah, I'm just thinking like that Harry Potter bad guy we keep referencing. (laughs) um, He picked like really obvious things, right? Yeah. Like. Like, why wouldn't he just be like, this rock right here, this pebble, I'm going to make this a horcrux and just fucking chuck it, it's, chuck it's it a into, and a <laughs> yeah, chuck it into this sea of rocks you know? over here in Iceland. Like, why would you do that? Are you trying to tell me, Adam, that you're a lich? You seem to have put a lot of thought into this. Just don't go destroying all of the grains of sand in <laughs> South Beach, Florida, or I will not be living very much longer. You hear that, listeners? We're going to have to um, get a, a an adventuring party together. Head no, south. I'm a good lich, though. I'm a good lich, though, okay. so it's okay. Speaking of, are there good liches? I don't yes, know. Yes, there are, actually. Um, and some that are... Um, 
So there's some liches that like kind of fall neutral. Um, uh, for instance, there is um, there's one lich that I've heard about that um, actually was creating a jigsaw puzzle, and they knew that they were like on the road to the end of their life, and they're like, I really need to finish this jigsaw puzzle. And they didn't have all the pieces put together yet, and it was a really difficult puzzle. So they actually became a lich in order to search for that missing puzzle piece in order to complete their puzzle. And then by the end of it, they were like, you know what? I'm good. And they actually um, they actually destroyed their own soul jar after they finished the puzzle. That is dedication. Because I have done... I tried doing a puzzle, and if it gets above 500 pieces, I'm fucking out. I'm out. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. If it's a thousand, if it's six hundred pieces, I'll I'll start it and I'll get the corners. I may get the whole border. I'm fucking out after that. So for this one lich to be that dedicated, yeah, it was one of those puzzles where like the pieces weren't like they're like abnormally shaped, you know, with like the curves and stuff. Yeah, it was a difficult one. They they finished it. Are liches capable? of love I think you may have answered that in the puzzle I mean it sounds like that lich you just mentioned was in love with the puzzle yeah I mean liches are um, able to experience a full range of emotions Um, they're very intelligent beings do they have any sort of society like or do they how do they get along with other liches or even people like if if a lich is walking down like Waterdeep, A, do they? And B, if they saw another lich walking down Waterdeep streets, would they be insecure about seeing this other lich? Would they be hostile towards other lich? Or like, like how's the society of a lich work? Yeah, so they're usually pretty solitary. So you'll never come across like a herd of liches or anything like that. Um, they're pretty solitary beings. Um, oftentimes, uh, they are very much interested in completing whatever task it was for the reason why they became a lich, right? So if it like was... Like making a puzzle. Like making a puzzle, or if it was like war or like revenge-based, um, they may be coming up with strategies in order to complete whatever that task is. Some of them are so consumed in protecting their soul jars that that is basically all they live for, well quote-unquote live for at this point it's like almost like an endless loop of i want to be immortal and in order to be immortal i need to protect my soul jar so therefore i'm protecting my soul jar and that's basically all they end up doing then for eternity um so they're they're pretty solitary you often don't find them out in, in public but you you may see some of them particularly the good liches you may see out in public um there are some in like elven communities who are protectors of like history and lore oh and uh, yeah, so you may see some out in in public, but it's pretty unlikely. Um, obviously, um, just the the visual is a little terrifying. People don't always take too keen to walking skeletons, basically. Um, so if you if you do come across one in public, you probably wouldn't even know because um, they're either heavily cloaked or disguising themselves, um, so that way they don't cause a stir. One thing I keep hearing about liches is anytime. Anytime you throw out the word lich, you always hear the saying, liches get stitches. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Why do all these liches have stitches, Cage? Like like I mentioned, um, 
they're mostly like skeletal. They're like basically skin contracted to their skeletons, right? So they don't have like a lot of like that muscle and fat to protect like their bodies from falling apart. And so um, it's very easy for them to like lose like limbs or things like that. And so they oftentimes have to stitch their appendages back onto their form. Now I get it. It's because they like will lose an arm. Got to stitch that bad boy back up on there. I mean, especially if they're walking down the streets of Waterdeep. Like, do you know how many stray dogs go after lich fingers? Oh, I bet. They look like those tasty tree bones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of liches in Waterdeep, uh, where do liches tend to, if they even do, uh, vacation? Like if like if you're a lich and you're protecting your soul jar for eons and eons and you want to just get a break, just like a week, a ten day break from babysitting your your soul jar, where do liches tend to like go to just really unwind? So that depends on the lich, right? So like when we think about us, so like say the United States, right? People tend to vacation at places where other people live, and other people are like. Well, this isn't a vacation spot. This is where I live. So then they go, right? So, like, it's the same thing for, like, liches, right? So some of them, like, if they are, if they live up in, like, a tower, they might be like, let's go to Waterdeep for vacation. You know, if there's some that live maybe, like, in the woods, they might be like, you know, a shoreline would be great. It would just a change in scenery. So it's it's literally the same as, like, mm-hmm. it's like asking, like, where would an American vacation? It's really... You can't answer that because it's it's all different. It depends on like where they're they're Personal living. Where they're... Some of it depends on on the history of of them before they were liches. So sometimes they'll go back to like their childhood homes. They're very nostalgic, you know. Particularly in their earlier part of of becoming a lich, because um, you know they still have a lot of those same memories. Sometimes um, the people that they know are still alive. The, the longer that they're alive, the less people that they know, right? And so um, the they're very nostalgic beings because you know they've just kind of like that turnover of people that they know yeah I was gonna ask like when they become a lich do they carry over or bring with them any kind of um emotions or memories or like Absolutely. are they the yeah, same person? Yeah they still remember everything that they knew in their living life and um they, actually the first you know decade or so of become of being a lich especially if you're older can be really difficult because you're you know seeing a lot of your friends are passing away um or uh um i mean if you've ever um you know moved far away from home for a period of time and then return back and it's like that didn't used to be a mcdonald's you know what i'm saying like you know, they, they go back to the streets of Waterdeep and they're like, when did that general store get here? Yeah, they have a lot of that same kind of emotion and nostalgia. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it is a little sad. It's kind of sad. Like, I kind of feel bad for these these uh, evil witches. <laughs> Mostly evil. I know some of them can be good or neutral. This one actually, Cage, came from your Discord. Oh, no. This is an I- audience question. It's an audience <laughs> question. It's not, it's not too bad. Can liches get drunk because, as per canon, D.D. canon, uh, liches are immune to poison. So, like, if they ever wanted to go on a big party binger, you know, like, all the lit... There's, you know, three dozen liches that are going to get together and throw a big blowout bash. New Year's Eve, 
it's coming around the corner. Uh, I don't know how years work in Terrell in uh, D&D land, but it is the new year. So they want to get together and get a bunch of alcohol. Can they get drunk? Yeah, so um, they can. Uh, but usually it's not based on uh, your living humanoids alcohol, right? So these are very intelligent beings that have lived for a very long time. And they can create artifacts of unbelievable power. And so usually if an if a lich is going to get drunk, it's off of some sort of concoction that was created by liches. Um, with the intent of getting intoxicated. Uh, so it's not... So it's a little bit different than like alcohol getting drunk, and it's more of like a uh, kind of like a fabrication spell, uh, something that they can like. It's like a spell that they cast on something like they. It doesn't have to be a liquid, right? Like yeah, it can no, be like a doesn't. fucking muffin, like a blueberry muffin. Yeah. They're like cast a spell on it, and they it eat that. It could be fruitcake. No, they wouldn't do that because that's like half of the uh, liches um, <laughs> soul jars are fruitcakes. <laughs> We just talked about what they drink and maybe eat fruitcakes. Do liches need to eat? So they don't need to. But again, like I said, they're very nostalgic beings. So um, they will sometimes like enchant foods to taste like different things. So that way they can have those those memories. Like, have you ever had um, like a like a taste memory where like you're like eating something and it kind of gives you like a flashback to like a time that was like you remember very fondly? I got. I got to tell you, oh, I cannot remember it off the top of my head right now, but it was within the last two to three months I ate something, and it destroyed me because I could not. I cannot conjure up what exactly it was from my childhood. I was remembering, but yes, I've yeah. had that. So they will. They will attempt to recreate those memories because of their nostalgicness. Um, by like enchanting foods and things like that, so they don't need to eat. That's not a part of their survival. Um, however, they they can they can eat, and sometimes they will do it as like a a, a, a form of you know pleasure and joy. I keep hearing about this guy Asrak. He's been on two covers of like I think there's only like maybe what fifty. Less than fifteen D and D five e books, and he's on two of the covers. So who is this Asrak? Yeah, so Sarak is um he's one of the he's one of the not so great ones. So basically, his whole shtick is that he finds these artifacts that he knows adventuring parties will want to go for, right? And he will hide them. So you know how we talked about like having multiple layers. They're just kind of like trapped, you know, and stuff like that. So he's got these all over the realm and he's got them all trapped up and he'll put artifacts that he knows adventuring parties will want to go for. And he'll put them at the end of those layers. And basically he has scrying spells throughout the whole thing. So he just kicks back with his, you know, his container of popcorn and he just watches the adventurers try and make their way through. It's like, it's like, you've ever seen like Wipeout or like... (laughs) Ninja Warrior. That's basically like that's his entertainment. Yeah, no, he just like sits back, puts his feet up, grabs some hot popcorn and a cold beverage, and he just scries on all of his different layers and watches adventurers try to compete to like get to this artifact. It's like a super deadly. It's like as if Wipeout had like fucking layers. 
Oh, for sure. There's one that he has. Uh, some people call it like the Tomb of Horrors. That's how bad it is. I've heard about that one, yeah. and I was going to ask. So it is literally like as if like me at home was watching Wipeout. And but instead of like big red comical balls hitting people and knocking them into the water, it's like blow it's like darts. Legit, like yeah, it's legit spikes coming out of the wall and like rooms flooding and like oh yeah. So, so he kind of and, wants and people to come them down in too. Like I don't know if you've ever played like the game Boss Monster, but it's like all about like luring adventurers into your lair too. He will sometimes put out like, hey, I hear there's this artifact, you know, at the end of this lair, y'all should probably go find it. And then he just like goes like, okay, this is going to be great and kicks back in his little home. And yeah. So he's literally like fishing with his soul jar. Like, no, no, trying no, this is not necessarily his soul jar. It's just whatever uh, artifacts he thinks will be interesting to adventurers in that century. Oh, okay. I thought he was using, like, his soul jar as bait to get people into this wipeout, deadly, deadly wipeout uh, I think scenario. one time he did put his soul jar at the end, but the adventurers got a little too close, and then he removed it because he was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> he reconfigured his, his plans. He was like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll eh. put, like, maybe we'll give this, like, enchanted dagger or something yeah, as yeah. a prize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know Asrak is a or Asarak, however you say his name. I know it's, he's a pretty bad dude, but I respect the hustle to uh, the grind for entertainment. So I said that um, that usually they're solitary beings. If there's a particularly famous adventuring party that goes through one of Asarak's uh, lairs, um, he that's actually when sometimes those lich parties happen. Is um, he's like, listen, friends. There's this adventuring party. A lot of people know about them. They're going to try out one of my lairs. Y'all should come over. We'll do a little potluck. Bring all of your favorite <laughs> treats from when you're, you know, living. And, you know, we'll get together and, and it'll be great. <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> For that adventuring party that enters in, say they get to the end somehow and find the soldier. I'm, I'm sure... Uh, Asirak would pop in and try to defend it. What would be the like? How do you, how do you fight one of these things? How do you fight a lich? Yeah, so mundane weapons won't do anything to them. Of course, nothing. I mean, I mean, think about it. These liches have lived for centuries. They've been able to study every spell book under the sun, basically, right? So, um, so mundane weapons not going to do a whole lot you have to have a pretty powerful party in order to take them out and then you have to keep in mind that like if you don't know the location of their soldier are after you take them out after a 10 day they just pop back up where their soldier pop is right back up and come yeah. back and try again at you yep and now they know what they lo- you look like so you better watch out been, I mean, especially if it's like a Sarah he's been scrying on you throughout this whole thing he knows what your name is he probably knows what your biggest fears are like <laughs> He knows you're not very good at wipeout. Wipeout, yeah. (laughs) I, in-game, have tried to fight a lich before. Did not go my way. Lost a party member. We bailed. That's probably the smartest move. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, say you have just a moment to give an adventuring party um, one piece of advice as they're approaching to fight a lich as the leading expert on on liches 
what would be your advice? Like, what would be their Achilles heel? What would you tell them that would get them over the battle and and actually like over the hump and be able to uh, defeat this lich? Yeah, so it's going to be dependent on situation the adventuring party is in. If they know the location of the soul jar, destroy it because it'll make the lich mortal, right? So that would be the number. That would be your best case scenario is if you already have access to the soul jar and you have a way to destroy it do that um if you don't know where the soul jar is or you don't have an ability to destroy it i mean other than running i guess put up your best fight (laughs) it's always worth a try but yeah i mean magical weapons and spells are gonna be some of your best bets but just know that that list is gonna there's a so think about like how much dedication it takes to first of all become a lich and then to continue chase after that like goal that you have. They're not just going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I surrender. <laughs> right. Like they have dedicated not just their life, but they're also their like their unending existence to whatever this goal is. So they're not just going to surrender to an adventuring party that's like, listen, put down your sword because we've got you like you don't got them. So. Yeah, just try your best, I guess. Magic magic is your best bet against them. And try not to fight them in their lair. Oh, yeah, because then they've got a whole yeah. new slew of things they can do. Yeah. So don't fight them in their lair. Try try your best. Uh, use uh, magical items and then destroy that soul jar. Those are, the, mm-hmm. those are the kind of the tips we've got to take away uh, from this interview. And um, other than that, Cage, when you're not studying up on liches and getting flooded with DMs about lich questions, uh, where can people find you at? Yeah, so everything about me is on my website, ragecagerugger.com. That's R-A-G-E-K-A-G-E-R-U-G-G-E-R.com. Um, my Twitch is, um, believe it or not, Rage Cage Rugger was taken both on Twitch and Twitter. So my what? <laughs> and they, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, and so my Twitch is Rage X Cage X Rugger, and my uh Twitter is Rage Cage X Rugger. Um, and uh, some of the stuff that I've got, uh, the adventure that is probably my most popular adventure is the Brewski Jubilee. Um, which is a mm-hmm. D&D 5e adventure on the DMs Guild uh, where your players uh, go through a drunken obstacle course during their downtime. Um, but also I just released Fantastic Taverns, which is a tavern supplement um, with Carolyn Kunza. And uh, I am also one of the writers on the current Kickstarter Sirens Battle of the Bards through Apotheosis Studios. So yeah, go check all that out. Um, very excited to see the the Sirens Bards uh, Kickstarter come out. Um, obviously, that is very massive right now. That is exploding. Cage, thank you so much for joining us. Just uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I can I need to mention right now. Uh, I don't think there is. I think you just thank you all so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks i do think this is probably gonna be a after a missed week because i did poor planning with the extra live 24 hour charity event and everything uh so i this episode right now cage is supposed to come out in 
two days, which I don't think will be edited in two days. So I what? think instead we're going to miss that two day uh, episode and be two weeks later. Uh, so thank you all for your patience, I guess. Um, sorry that I missed two weeks ago, but I, th- I think this one was worth the wait. I, I had a lot of fun with this one cage and uh, remember everybody at least half of what you heard tonight was probably true. Later, liches. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Bye, ready. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Honk. A Majestic Goose Podcast. Honk.